You're listening to SBS News. Over morning tea at a suburban home in Sydney South, an act of charity takes place that is deeply personal to all taking part. The Australian Lebanese Ladies Fund is hosting a fundraiser for family and friends in Lebanon. President Rima Balesh says Lebanon's people are struggling to get by. We're trying to help here. We're trying to help with food, with medicine, the rent. It's very hard for the situation for them. They are my people and it's my country, so I will never, ever leave them. Lebanon's economic collapse, exacerbated by political turmoil, is one of the world's worst financial crises. According to the United Nations, 80% of people there are now living in poverty. As a result, remittances for gifted money from overseas have become critical to Lebanon's survival. Among low- to middle-income nations, Lebanon is the second most reliant on remittance. 38% of its gross domestic product comes from these payments, behind only Tonga, where it makes up 50% of its GDP. Samoa, Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan round out the top five. World Bank lead economist Dilip Rada explains. We have noticed this phenomenon. Countries that are poor, countries that are facing difficulties, they are the ones uh, that depend a lot on remittances. This is essentially showing the financial lifeline that remittances provide. Earl Malivo is the Asia-Pacific Managing Director of World Remit, a major remittance exchange platform. He says remittance is closely tied to migration. The migrant workers' main objective really is to send money back home. The, the very reason why they actually, most of them, um, goes abroad is really to support their families. The World Bank found almost $1.2 trillion in remittance flowed through the world this year. The vast majority went to low- to middle-income countries, where, excluding China, it's their premier source of external financing, more than foreign investment or aid. India topped this year's list, receiving $150 billion in remittance ahead of Mexico, China, the Philippines and Egypt. The money is sent for things like medicine, rent, school, utilities and food. 2022 has been a year of global financial instability, but Dilaprada says soaring inflation and cost-of-living crises in developed nations largely didn't deter payments. Even when migrants are facing difficulties, they tend to send money home by, if necessary, making sacrifices, not eating enough, skipping a meal, sharing accommodation, and working even more than normal. Melbourne mother of two, Janica Gross, sends part of her salary back to family in the Philippines, despite financial pressures of her own. I've been watching the interest rates go up and up and up. We've got to keep track of our daily and, you know, um, regular expenses that we need to provide. It's not easy, but remittances have been sort of like a culture, a part of Filipino culture. I've been sending more regularly in terms of how how much they need. And for instance, I helped uh, my brother or my sister, you know, in their schooling. It doesn't matter how much you give at the time. It's how much you can spare. Since the pandemic, remittance grew globally by 15%. But in Australia, according to World Remit, it has plummeted. In 2019, $11 billion was sent abroad. Last year, it was $6 billion. 
Almost half of that went to five countries: China, India, Vietnam, the UK, and the Philippines. Earl Malivo says Australia is an outlier in terms of its falling remittance outlay. We have to look into how migration、um, has panned out for Australia over the last two and a half, three years. Australia has,、uh, used to receive a lot of migrants. That essentially vanished during the onset of the pandemic. So we've seen、uh, almost half decline, and we're seeing a rebound on, on remittances、uh, as as we see more migrants flowing in again. The World Bank still expects remittance rates to fall slightly in 2023, but sees no possibility of a genuine decline in the coming decades. Omar Dehan, SBS News.